Now, we look at Satan and we're afraid of him. Now, he is a formidable foe. Don't underestimate him because he can deceive you. He can trick you. He can lie to you. And all of it can seem true. But Satan is powerless compared to God. I'm Alice Newsom, and you're listening to the Repurpose and Publish podcast. I've heard it said that graveyard is the most valuable piece of real estate on the planet because it's filled with unrealized dreams, ideas, and visions. This podcast is about denying the grave consumption of the great content locked up in my computer and taking the bold step to share my thoughts and creativity with you. And now, here's more repurposed content from my computer. Today, we're talking about God's omnipotence. That means God is all-powerful. Omnipotent means God is invincible, unbeatable, unstoppable, and supreme. We're talking about God being all-powerful. Not most powerful, but all powerful, more powerful than any other God. And that's God spelled with a little G. But the God of heaven, the big G, is more powerful than any other creature ever created. To be declared number one in anything, there has to be a competition. And the winner must defeat or eliminate all challengers to hold the title of champion. Some titles are kept for a year, like Miss mm-hmm. America. Now, then there are other titles that must be defended. Like Muhammad Ali claimed to be the greatest boxer of all times. And he held the title of undisputed heavyweight champion of the world for years mm-hmm. until he was defeated by Joe Frazier. So once crowned best in your category... You must constantly defend your title because there's always a challenger. So there's always somebody out there who wants to take your place so they can be recognized as number one. Things on earth are patterned after things in heaven. In history, there have been epic wars, such as the American Civil War. That was the battle that pitted the North against the South, which led to the abolishment of slavery. And then there was the American Revolution when American colonies formally declared their independence from Great Britain on July 4th, 1776. Mm -hmm. And then there's the most epic war of all times. And we're all a part of it. The moment you're born, you're in it. It's the war of good versus evil. Now, God, we just said, is all powerful, Mm -hmm. omnipotent, all powerful God. Now, for God to hold that title, he had to be challenged. Did you know there was a war in heaven? Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, tells of Lucifer's challenge. And the Bible states in verse 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did it weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. 
I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now to God, that was a challenge. Let's take a little trip. Imagine God is sitting on his massive throne as the ruler of the universe. There are angels surrounding the throne. They're worshiping him. They're bowing to him. And other angels are singing praises to him. And Lucifer was the head angel in charge of singing praises to God. Lucifer was the angel. He was the master. He was the maestro. He had a lot of angels that catered to him as well. They loved the talent that Lucifer possessed. They loved his musical skills and his great vocal ability. And when he praised God, mm, my goodness, you could just feel the anointing everywhere. Lots of angels praised Lucifer for being beautiful and talented and wise. And Lucifer loved all that attention that he received from the other angels. But it paled in comparison to the attention God received. So although Lucifer sang praises to God in his heart, he wanted to replace God. Ezekiel 28, 17 said his heart was filled with pride because of his beauty. Lucifer was called the shining star and son of the morning. He was beautiful and he was in an elevated position and he let his title go to his head. His wisdom was corrupted by his love of splendor, being in the spotlight, fame, popularity, and the desire for more of everything that shined. Revelations 12, 7 said, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. So now Satan is called a dragon. He's called Satan. He's called Lucifer. And now he's called a dragon. All the same angel. So Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought. And his angels. And he prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon, that old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So here we have a lot of names for Satan a dragon, a serpent, a devil and Satan, and he deceives the whole world. I used to think God fought Satan, but when the war came down to being fought in heaven, God did no fighting. It was angel against angel. It was Michael and his angels fighting against Satan and his angels. God was just present. God knew what was going to happen, but he's all powerful. God does not lower himself to fight against a being he created. We look at Satan and we see how powerful he is. And, and he has power here because he took that power from Adam. And he's called the prince of the power of the air. Another title for Satan. Mm -hmm. He has power, but he has no power Compared to God. So our God is omnipotent. And when Satan is compared to our God, Satan is impotent. Satan has no power. He is rendered impotent. He is cast down from heaven and thrown onto the earth. 
He's in the earth's atmosphere. Now we look at Satan and we're afraid of him. Now he is a formidable foe. Don't underestimate him because he can deceive you. He can trick you. He can lie to you and all of it can seem true. But Satan is powerless compared to God. And it's proven right here in the scripture because God didn't even fight Satan. We think God's going to fight Satan. God's not going to fight Satan. The angel Michael fought Satan. And then Satan and his angels, a third of heaven, were thrown to the earth. So that's why we have so much trouble here on earth. Because Satan is thrown out. Now, what happens when you get thrown out of a place? The place where you love to be. A place where everybody gave you accolades and and shouted your name and were glad to see you coming. What happens when you've been stripped of your title and thrown out? How do you imagine you would feel if that happened to you? I think I'm going to be angry. I think I'm going to be hot and boiling and I'm going to want to attack something. I think I am going to be vengeful and I'm going to look for something to attack that you love, which is what Satan did. He looked for something that God loved and he looked for it to attack it and take what he could from it. So Satan was cast out of heaven to earth. He went right past all those planets from heaven to earth. Boom, Satan and his angels. Now demons, fallen angels, right here on the earth. And there's man, God's treasured creation, and Satan. And so I imagine in the garden that Satan was hanging around for a long time trying to get Adam and Eve to listen to him. I imagine it took a long time for him to eventually get Eve's ear. The scripture doesn't tell us how long it took. But I imagine it was quite a while because Adam and Eve in the garden and in paradise and just loving life, walking and talking with God. And then, you know, after a while, they're human. They start to get bored. They start to drift. Your mind start to go here and there. And then here's somebody enticing you with something that you really want. Something that you desire. And he's a liar, a good liar. The father of lies. So his lies are very convincing. And we can be easily tricked. So Eve was deceived by the snake, by the serpent. And here we are, a fallen nation, a fallen generation because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And like we said before, God is omniscient. So before God even created the earth. Before he created heaven and earth, God already knew Adam and Eve were going to succumb to Satan's lies. He already knew it, and he decided to create us anyway. So God is omnipotent. He's our omnipotent God, the God of heaven. The omnipotent God has no equal. So there's no competitor on his level. You know, we talked about Muhammad Ali and how, you know, he had competitors. They trained to compete against him. But God is creator. There is no competitor. There is no one that can compete against him on his level 
because you can't just go and compete against the heavyweight champ of the world. There are levels you have to go from amateur to pro. And then you have to have a great record in pro just to be even considered to be a competitor to the heavyweight champ of the world. But in God's case, there is no competitor. There is no God because they're all man-made or created. We serve the only God that has no end and no beginning, but the creator of everything. Everything originated from him. The omnipotent God has no equal. So there is no competitor on his level who could possibly take his throne. When a challenge to God came from among the ranks of the angels, the fight broke out between the angels, Michael's angels against Lucifer's angels. So when compared to our omnipotent God, Satan is impotent. Our God has no equal. God does not lower himself to engage in fighting with beings he created. Instead, God has created a place for Satan and his fallen angels. That place is called hell. And at the designated time, Satan's sentence will be served. Hell was not created for man. It was created for Satan and his followers. Now, Jesus says something interesting in Luke 12. Four and five, he said, don't be afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, they have no more they can do. But it's a fearful thing to think of somebody who's going to kill your body. You know, that's frightening. But Jesus says someone who can kill your body. To be afraid of them pales in comparison to who you really should be afraid of. He says, after this person kills your body, there's nothing else they can do. Your body is dead and that's it. Your body is dead. That's it. That's all they can do to you. But Jesus said, I'm going to tell you beforehand. I'm going to forewarn you who you should fear. Jesus said, you fear him, which after he hath killed, has the power to cast into hell. Yep. I tell you, fear him. So who is Jesus telling us to fear? God. Don't be afraid of that man who can just kill you. Fear God. Because God, after he has killed, if you want to take your life, after he has killed, he has the power to cast your body into hell. So the omnipotent, all-powerful God, he's the one who can send you to hell. We talked about hell being a real place. In Luke 16, Jesus tells the story of a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. Lazarus died and he was escorted by the angels to Abraham's bosom. In verse 22 to 24, the Bible states the rich man died and he was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Now, in these verses, we see hell as a real place. It's a place where you are painfully aware of your surroundings, just like the rich man was. 
you have physical body parts because your eyes and tongues were mentioned. You have a sense of feeling because he knew he was in torment from the flaming heat. This rich man had now become humble. Hell makes you humble. It it gives you a sense of humility because now this rich man who probably didn't have time for Lazarus now wants this dirty beggar to put his finger in some water and put it on his tongue. So now he's humiliated. He's in pain and he can see heaven. He can look up and see paradise, but he has no access to paradise. Because God has cast that body, that soul, his presence is now in hell. He can look up and see what he wants and what he desires, but it's not available to him. So this rich man can't cross over from hell to heaven because the omnipotent, all-powerful God has placed a transparent barrier. A barrier where you can see through. You can see up through it and you can see down through it. But you can't go through it. God has said you can look up here and you can see it. But there's no way you are coming from hell into heaven. And you people in heaven, even though you see people down there that you love and you desire to bring up. You have no power to do it. No, you can see them. But you can't cross over to them because that's what Abraham told the rich man. He says, I can't help you even if I wanted to. There's a barrier between us and there's nothing I can do for you. The moral of that story is you have an opportunity now. You have an opportunity now to choose God. Now is the time of salvation. Today is it. You have an opportunity to say, yes, I believe in God. Yes, I believe God is real. Yes, I believe heaven is real. Hell is real. And hell is not a place that you want to wish on your worst enemy. And you certainly don't want anyone that you love to go there. Jesus said to fear the one who has the power to cast your body into hell. So we said that is the omnipotent God. So my question is, how do you fear God and love him at the same time? To fear God is to respect him. When Jesus talks about fearing God, though, I think you should be afraid if you decide not to believe in the omnipotent God of heaven. And you should be afraid if you choose not to ask him into your heart and your life. Because according to the best-selling book of all times, you're in danger of being thrown into hell. To fear God is to respect God, to respect his word, and to respect his power. So you can respect God and you can love him at the same time. And you should always remember that the all-powerful God of heaven loves you. Hello, I'm Galene, your host from Let's Meet the Author. I want to go ahead and boast about One of my authors who premiered in the first season, Alice Newsom. I have read her book over and over, and I cannot put it down. I have recommended to my sisters, I recommend to my mom, to my aunties, and even the male members in my family. Finally, there is a book that talks about the women of the Bible. All right, and also it gives juicy details 
about the lives of Jesus' ancestors. The book is called Assorted Lives of Jesus' Ancestors. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Jesus' family does too. You gotta get your own copy. Go to alicenewsome.com and go ahead and read it and find out all the secrets of Jesus' ancestors. alicenewsome.com Get your copy today. You will not regret it. I've been busy. I've recorded an audiobook too. Now the audiobook is a convenient way to hear the stories of the women in Jesus' family tree as you go about your day. I'm the narrator, and it comes with a special audiobook companion document. Get your audiobook now. If you are anything like I am, then you have a stored collection of stories and lessons. I encourage you to get that content out of your mind, out of your device, out of your journal, and share it with the world. Enrich someone's life because they are waiting for you. That's a wrap. Another podcast is in the books. It's published. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to share it and subscribe to get each episode as it becomes available. And please leave a review. Visit my website, alicenewsome.com. Remember to repurpose and publish. Thanks for listening.